Good evening, or afternoon, or the morning. The Are there any other times I can say? No, it's the afternoon, morning, evening. Uh, but yeah, welcome to UCM Radio, The Beat. You're listening to Chatting It Up, the only radio show where I try and hide from campus security. For reasons. Uh, I'm Greg Burns, and joining me today, we have... Michael Lewis, a public relation and political science major here at UCM. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing today, I'm Michael? I'm doing great. I'm glad that it's starting to get cooler outside because I am done with the heat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> done with the heat. Definitely love the fall weather. Oh, yeah. It also makes biking a lot less sweaty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden it'll just get cold in like 10 days. So, you know, we'll enjoy it while it's here. I mean, last last year I bought a 20-degree jacket, so I, I should be set. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's actually jump into our conversation for yeah, today. let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking about video game industries and how they're losing their touch with their consumers. Yeah, that's the best. I, I mean, that's a pretty good way to put it. I, I like to have this conversation with people when I'm just chatting with them on games about, you know, coming from PR side, how I see the gaming industry and its connection to the consumers. And when you think of video games, you know, from the outside, someone would just assume that, you know, the players and the gamers, they must have this crazy, you know, tight-knit relationship and everything's perfect. But only, you know, in real life, it's almost exactly the opposite. So Cool, yeah. And, like, while you have those conversations with your friends, me and my friends are talking about how the gold pickaxe in Minecraft is the only pickaxe that can't buy its own <laughs> ore. And Minecraft, I feel like Minecraft is one of the few exceptions because when you think about its connection with the consumers, there's not a lot of beef or battle then. So, like, you know, bringing up Minecraft, Minecraft has enjoyed the benefit of not making its consumers mad like a lot of these game companies have. And the weird thing is no one is talking about this. And I think it has to do with the fact that we're talking about video games. And at the end of the day, no, you know, you know, the people in the public who do the talking, do the writing, they're not going to talk about video games. You know, if, if this was the car industry making these mistakes, this would be front page news. So I think that's a big point here is you don't hear a lot about, about this is because at the end of the day, we're still talking about video games and still and people still have that, you know, misconception about video games being, you know, for children. Yeah, that, that's definitely still a thing. But I feel like as a society, we are breaking that wall a bit. Uh, I've d- I'm definitely seeing, like, a lot more, like, headway in progress, especially since right now, like, I would say, like, a good maybe, like, 40% or so of parents play video games. And then after, like, that generation mm-hmm. goes, uh, like, you know, the generation before before them, so, like, your grandparents, pretty much, like, none of them play video games. There are There's a few, <laughs> but most of them don't. And so, like, after our parents become grandparents and we become parents, you know, there's a very good majority i'd say about like probably like 70 or so percent of our generation plays video games and so then once we become grandparents and you know our kids are now like you know probably that 90 percent threshold and then their kids are going to be at like that 100 percent. and then i feel like you know video games are going to be like an actual thing rather than be like oh yeah that's just like a kid thing and i 100 percent agree i think we're reaching a new frontier in video games especially coming from someone who's started working with UCM Esports and I'm going out trying to, you know, create events, get sponsors, you know, it was still a challenge today, but it's easier than it would have been 10 years ago. And one thing that's important to mention is as the sport grows, as the money goes into gaming grows, unfortunately this issue with the connection between consumers and the consumers and then the game developers is still there. You still have, if anything, someone could argue 
that as the industry got bigger, that connection got got lessened, you know? So I think that's interesting. Yeah, video game industry is now in a place where you got more eyes on it. You have parents who are now playing it. You know, now it's cooler to be a gamer, but then on the complete other end, a consumer is more likely to be screwed over by the game developer than they were 10 years ago. And that could be debated, but you know, when you talk to people and you ask people about their attitudes towards game developers now, according to 10 years ago, you would get a great, you get an averagely just different perception. Yeah, and like, I, I was thinking about a couple of games while you're saying that. A couple that like hit me while you're talking about that is like one like Assassin's Creed. Cause like, if you look back when like Assassin's Creed was like first emerging mm -hmm. kind of thing, the feedback for the game was like amazing. Like everyone loved it kind mm -hmm. of thing. Uh, like up until like, I wanna say the ending of the Ezio trilogy. After that, they started producing like one game a year. Overall, people were like, okay, well, you're spending less time on the games and now it seems to just be repetitive and it's the same thing over and over being spoon fed to us. The good thing is now they're actually spending two years to make their games. And like in our game that I would say is like Call of Duty as well, that sort of like did that as well. They like, they were making really good games and then they started like producing really quickly. So like maybe one of the problems might be the fact that they're looking at it more of like the business side rather than the entertainment side. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I feel like, you know, these game companies are making so much money. You know, I feel like we're now into a point where a game developer can make money on a game that's not even successful in terms of the perception. Does that make sense? As long as you create certain technical things and put out the game at a certain time, you're you're destined to make a profit. And I think that is the biggest issue of what's happening right now. I think even when you go into Assassin's Creed, I wasn't a huge fan of Assassin's Creed. I remember the first two I really enjoyed, but just the story was kind of too slow for me. Even when you think of Assassin's Creed, it, I really felt like they got to a point where they no longer had to think strategically on how to sell the game because the game was being sold. Now it becomes, hey, how do we make our you know, shareholders happy and make these different people happy, cut costs. You know, I'm sure there's shareholders like, hey, we want a game every year, you know, and we want a game every two years. I think it's the unfortunate part is when you put money into things, you get more views and you get more in return. But then the people putting those money are now making the decisions. And these people are not gamers. Even when you go back to so like you brought up Call of Duty, I think when you look at the very top top of Call of Duty and these they're making so they're making millions, billions a month. That's a lot of money. Those are a lot of heads and a lot of competition to make that money. Those people aren't gamers. I, I truly think that those people making the decision at the very top, the, the CEOs, the shareholders, they're not gamers. And they don't need to worry about being a gamer because the industry is making money. And I think that's a weird conundrum. I'm, you know, you don't want to advocate for the industry not to make money, but it's just a fact of, you know, the industry is making so much money right now, it doesn't need to hold itself responsible to make quality video games. That, that's just, you know, how yeah. it is. So a company I would like to talk about, you know, was um, Hello Games No Man's Sky, which was, in my opinion, I think there should have been charges filed for what happened with No Man's Sky because it was downright, in my opinion, illegal. You you sold a product, said something. So so just for the backstory, um, Hello Games created No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky was a game where... You're supposed to do a lot of open world things. You would you could go to endless amount of planets. They were making claims that, you know, you wouldn't even be able to explore all the planets in the game. It's just logically impossible. The odds of you in the in the same planet as somebody else was just 
likely it was just a low odds. It seemed like this open world game that everybody was looking for. And I remember being hyped up about it as well. And then I remember during a lot of the trailers, they showed you online capabilities and people running around with their friends. They showed you different areas. And then when the game came out, it was quickly realized that the online didn't even exist. So they sold a game saying that, hey, you'd be able to play online with your friends. And then the game comes out and you can't play online. My question to people is imagine if that was any other industry. Imagine if, again, Ford came out with a car and they, and they, and they advertised in the car, hey, this car has um, this type of GPS. And then you buy the car and there's not even a GPS system in there. It's, some it's people, just a map with a pen. Some people would go to jail. There would be fines. There would be the, the com- certain commissions the government would get on. It would be, there would be fines and charges handed out to people for gross false advertising. And again, we're talking about the video market here. So it just seems like when that happens, it's like, um, you got ripped off on your video game. That, you know, that's not a big deal. And people kind of moved on from it. And I, I think that's very interesting. Yeah. And I kind of want to add to that, too, uh, because I was thinking a lot about No Man's Sky as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, another, like, they, they had a lot of things that they didn't have pretty much from the, the best way that I can describe it is a quote I once heard from someone else. I don't remember who, uh, but pretty much what it was, was uh, No Man's Sky is a glorified walking simulator because that's all it was in its first release. Like, it it was first, like, praised to be like, oh, yeah, you're going to be able to play with your friends. You can build your base. You can talk with, you know, aliens, do trading, do pirating mission, like, all these kinds of things. And all you could do is, like, walk from planet to planet kind of thing and you spent most of the time gathering resources i remember what what really was just a crazy part of the whole i, I call it a scam that just blew my mind it wasn't world news when the game first came out um there was issues with online and people were like hey, i can't i can't do anything online if anybody remembers um hello games that day got on live stream and did a online live stream where they tried to show their online so basically they tried to push the light so basically what what their mindset was hey we know there is no online, but the game just came out and we need as many people to buy it as possible. So let's continue even after the game is released to push this narrative that there is an online. Now, four days, I think, no, it was two days, I'm sorry, after the whole, hey, there is an online and people couldn't figure out that what Hello Games was trying to claim was that there are so many different planets, the odds of you ending up in the same place as your friend was unlikely. And I, and I should have told myself at that point, why would there be online? If you if the if the odds of you being able to use it are unlikely because of the different it just it sounded like a scam from the start and then two days later two people two famous live streamers on Twitch ended up in the same planet together and they could not see each other so deep that was at that point debunked the whole idea that there was an online. We're gonna take a quick commercial break here. When we get back, we'll be hearing more from Michael about his thoughts on the gaming industry. Welcome back to Chatting It Up on UCM Radio, The Beat. So another example I love to bring up is ARK. If anybody remember ARK, ARK was in beta 
art came out as a beta for full price. I don't know how that didn't just blow people's minds that they were trying to sell people. So this, this, this is what ARK decided they wanted to do. They said, hey, you pay, you pay full price for this game and then we'll finish it as you play it. Um, again, that's, I always like to use the example of another industry because that's the best way to compare things. Let's go to another industry. Let's go back to the car industry. Let's say Ford said, hey, we'll make you pay $50,000 for this car. We'll give you the fourth tire. We'll give you the GPS as we make it. That's the issue I think that we have here. Uh, but what's really interesting is the fact of there's so many games nowadays that are releasing like in alpha testing kind of thing. Because they can. Yeah. Because they uh, can. I mean, think about it. Think about it as a game developer. You know, money's a huge thing. If a game developer, you can put out a game. If you know you can do it, you can put out. Let's say you have almost every. Like you could really release this game out. It may not be full, but it could make money. And you know that if you did it. People would still pay for it, and then you're developing as it goes by. Now, here's the thing. I think I think there's nothing wrong with that because I think that's how you get smaller developers in on games. I think this is the issue, and this will kind of go into the fix. You know, we don't have to go into that yet, but the fix is this. The issue is the consumers are no longer holding the game industry accountable. So if you go to back to the... You know, I don't mean to keep going back to the car industry, but if you go back to the car industry and we had those same examples, what would be the difference? Yeah, it's a lot more serious. And yeah, the government would step in in that situation. But two, consumers would be a lot more likely to hold those people accountable. So, for example, in that situation where the guy was sold 70 percent of a car didn't come with the GPS, he's going to go to the news. He's going to go to the best, uh, better business bureau. He's going to go to different things. The gamer who is more likely a, a young kid or a young teenager is just going to call it a $60 loss and move on with their day. I think that the consumer, it is put on the consumer. Now, now here's the truth. This is the truth. I, think I like to talk rationality. Rational is this. These companies, these games or developers are doing it out of money sense, and we live in a world of money, and you can't blame that. Does that make sense? So when looking at the situation, you have to look at other ways. We can't, there's going to be no way we're going to have some type of conversation with Activision. They're going to make all right, I know you guys are making 20, you know, 20 million dollars a year. Can you make 15 and help us? You know, we need to we have, middle, you know, at the end of the day, the game companies still need to make people happy. And I think the issue is, is that we're no longer holding the game industry accountable. One thing I like, I want it to be known is that it's not like we need to take money out of the issue because money is brought in. Money is the reason why we're here today. Money is the reason why esports is where it's at. Money is the reason why I truly believe that. Esports will come into the NCAA and will be just as big as anything else in the next two years. But at the same time, there's a negatives that come with money, which is that we're being screwed over. And the thing is, I feel bad for the young kids in this in this industry because for me as an adult, if I buy a bad $60 game, I mean, honestly, I just bought a bad $60 game. I'll work. I'll make the money to buy a new one. But back then, we all remember being kids as gamers. You get... A lot of us grow up, I got three games a year. That was for Christmas, that was my birthday, and I know some random day. There wasn't, a lot of us don't grow up, oh, it's Tuesday, you want to go get a game? At, games are $60 now. A lot of these kids, I have a cousin, the only time he gets games are on certain occasions, so there's times where he buy, he bought Anthem, for example, and I've been wanting to go into Anthem, if you remember Anthem. He bought Anthem, which is one of the biggest flops of that year, I believe it was 2019. He bought Anthem and paid it for, played it for a month, because the game technically died in a month and he paid $60 for it. So the younger generation is getting highly screwed over. Now I feel bad for these kids because when they buy a game, I have no idea 
how long that game's going to be playable for. And that's some every gamer. We don't know the lifespan of video games nowadays. You could get lucky and hit the next Minecraft for 10 years, or you can get an Anthem in the game. You could get Anthem and then a $1 billion game dies in a month. That's how crazy the video game industry is currently. But I have two fixes for this. One, we can thank our sponsors, Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> you know you made it when you got Raid Shadow Legends um, on your back. Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're not actually <laughs> sponsored by the... Uh, unless they're listening yeah, yeah. and they want to give me a call, in which case... Uh, please do. Please. <laughs> I love you, Raid Shadow yeah, Legend. I will, I will pick the ninja character. The new ninja <laughs> character. <laughs> I, I will play up to level 10 so people <laughs> think I was playing and then record <laughs> myself and then <laughs> never play again. Just for you, Raid Shadow Legend. Something uh, I, I really hope I wanted to bring up when it comes to... You know, a lot of people talk about Fallout. When we talk about these issues, because Fallout's big in a lot of people's hearts. Fallout for me was a Fallout for me changed my life because it was such an extraordinary video game. But the music in Fallout literally opened the door for me to a whole different genre of music that like I did. I love classical. I love that style of music. I literally go out of my way to search that music just because of Fallout. That is, you know, that is video gaming. It's literally a change. You know, it changed my music ability. And that was just a soundtrack on a video game. So. That's how much Fallout meant to my heart, and I played Fallout 4 religiously. And, you know, when you look at the issues with Fallout 4, I can honestly say, and I think a lot of people would agree, it wasn't like Fallout 4 was out to do anything, you know, devious or misleading, like like um, Hello Games. Hello Games knew what they were doing, and then they were just trying to sell as many copies. I think Fallout, you know, if you know the issue with Fallout, there was Fallout 4, and Fallout's always been single-player. And Fallout was hearing from people for a long time, we really want an online Fallout. We really want an online Fallout. And I guess they took that so literal, they go, okay, you guys want an online Fallout. Here's a completely and only online Fallout, which is Fallout 76. And people didn't like that because what people, you know, the, the feedback to Fallout 76 was this. People go, they went, Fallout, they went, we want, or Bethesda, we really wanted a Fallout, online Fallout, but we wanted it to be like Fallout 4, just online. They misinterpreted what people wanted. They thought, does that make sense? If people, what people wanted was just the same story, you know, story-wise game that you would do in Fallout 4, but you could just all of a sudden do it with your friend. Instead, they created this open universe, and if anyone who remembers buying it on day one, it was so open. It was completely broken for about three or four months. There was a good three-month time period where you really couldn't do much. It was so laggy and buggy. And if anyone remembers, Bethesda's biggest fix to that issue was just releasing a battle royale. If anybody remembers that. And I just shows like the misconnection. Just the if anybody is really like in big into the gaming industry, Fallout Bethesda is, you know, major top tier in terms of the way that people perceive them in terms of the quality of their games. And even that was a fail because there was no true connection between what the consumers wanted. And that's the best thing about the video game industry that confuses me is because in the video game industry we tell you what we want. Whenever, like, it doesn't, we don't, you know, think about it. All these other industries, they sit in a room and try to think, like, what do consumers want next? How do we, how do we make the next best toy? How do we make the next best car? But in video games, they don't have to do that. All they would simply, all video game companies simply do is just go to their social media and be like, hey, what do you guys want? And people, I want, I want, I want the next Rayman. I want the next Shadow Jet. People would tell you what they want and they will make it known. So it blows my mind when that's miscommunicated, like it was in Fallout. It was very... Like, from someone on that, I don't even work for the organization, and I knew when people said they wanted an online Fallout, I knew what they meant. They wanted single-player Fallout, 
but just all of a sudden you could add your buddy and go do it with them. They didn't mean, hey, we wanted this online mess of a game where you're literally just running around doing missions for no reason. And that, you know, that adds to the further proof of this. There's just a disconnection between the game developers and the consumers. It's like the game developers are over here all the way to the left, the consumers all the way to the right, and there's no one in the middle building that relationship, connecting, talking. It's just it's non-existent. Yeah. Uh, two things I want to uh, go yeah. on real quick. Uh, the first of all is one th- one thing that I've heard from a, a couple of my friends, and I think it actually might be true, is the way that they could have made Fallout 76 better was renaming it. If they didn't call it Fallout, yeah. it might have actually been very much like highly approved. Because I feel like the problem was is that too many people had an idea of what Fallout was. Mm-hmm. And in, so this game, Fallout 76, like it it was conflicting that kind of thing. And lo- like like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. And so if they were to rename it something else, it probably would have, you know, like hit audiences a lot better. Because too many audiences were like, hey, this isn't a Fallout game. This is a completely different game. And from what I've heard, it's a really great game, but a terrible Fallout game. Oh, that's a great I'm sorry, I haven't heard anyone say that I think that's a great way to put it I will say this if that game was to come out not underneath the Fallout banner and was to be called Sky Heaven 2 let's just say I created Sky Heaven 1 you know <laughs> by a completely different game developer that game wouldn't have had the you know people were like hey it's kind of buggy but you know from a new developer this is a fair game they're going to work on they're going to come into progress it's just a name that Fallout had and the expectations and the, and the detail what really blew my mind is like how they go from such a detailed story i remember every character i can remember their faces their their story their background to something so empty you know and it maybe they were listening maybe you know maybe they did too much of what i said because i said they're not listening to consumer maybe they listened to them so much it kind of got you know deaf toned in their ear to where they had no idea what people really wanted because that's a huge change to go from if you've ever fought 70 or fought four that was completely story driven 110 percent story driven if you had no idea what was going on in that story you probably i mean i guess you could have one just shooting stuff out but and then fallout 76 came and they jumped to this it was just i remember playing it and i just remember like an hour going by into playing it and i just felt numb i just felt like i wasn't doing anything i wasn't talking to you. i was just it would say like go out here and and you know kill these kill five of these monsters it was just they were trying to loot or shooter it and make it long and that wasn't what fallout was you know and yeah that really, I think that was the one, one of the ones that I took really personal because I know that with, like, Anthem, when you think of Anthem, I think there was some misleading getting into it because when we talk about Anthem, they lied about a couple of things. Hello Games lied about a couple of things, but I think they tried and just failed, and, but it's still the same issue. There is no connection between the game developers and the decision-making room. I think that's important to say because I'm sure the game developer, the guy, you know, he he has a, I bet he has a completely different vision of the game than the people in the boardroom, people making the final decisions. Hey, the game is going to come out on this day no matter what. So that makes sense. Those people, they're not gamers. I don't think they're gamers. I think they're a bunch of millionaire, billionaires, and they make a lot of money off games, and they probably love games because of that. But they're not gamers. Yeah. And, like, w- one interesting aspect is, like, uh, with that whole name change thing, it can kind of be proven with the Elder Scrolls series, which is mm-hmm. also a Bethesda game series. Because mm-hmm. uh, you have all the Elder Scrolls, which are, again, they're all single-player mm-hmm. games. And then you have Elder Scrolls Online. Elder Scrolls Online actually did really good. It's an online MMO and actually did really good. And the reason why is I feel like they added that 
they, they told you what the game was in the title kind of thing. So, like, Elder Scrolls Online, you knew it's an online MMO from mm-hmm. just reading that. If you read Fallout 76, you're like, that doesn't tell me anything about mm-hmm. it. It's a Fallout game. That, that's all you read. Because, like, all the other Fallouts is Fallout 1, 2, 3, 4, Fallout mm-hmm. New Vegas, Fallout 76. You feel like it has the same name as all the other ones, so it must be the same kind of thing. And it's completely different. Elder Scrolls 1, 2, 3, 4, Elder Scrolls Online, completely new name. It's an online game, so it actually did very well. And it still is doing very well from uh, what I've heard from my friends who still play. Yeah, I played Elder Scrolls Online, and I thought the game was great. I think with these, M- you know, I guess you're because MMORPGs, which you consider mm-hmm. it, I think. With these games, I think they've reached this limit, you know, because I, I think I've noticed, you know, you take the newest, you know, MMORPG now and compare it to 10 years ago, there isn't no difference. I think we've kind of hit a ceiling on what, until we get into farther into VR and other technology, I can see it. it I think we've hit a ceiling in M, because those used to be my games. If you if you ask me for my style of games, I grew up favoring those type of games because I was a poor person and I had this idea. If I'm going to buy a video game, I'm going to buy a video game that can last me infinite amount of time because I'm going to be playing 10 hours a day. So I don't need a game where I'm just racing or I need a game that it's just I can grind. That's why I was I grew up playing RuneScape. I was a RuneScape nerd growing up. So I needed a grinder, 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 you know, and that that's my style of game. But I, I can tell we've hit a ceiling on that. Okay. I cannot express how excited I just got <laughs> because when you were saying how we're, like, going through VR tech and mm-hmm. I just, like, my first thought was a VR MMO. And I was like, holy crap. I mean, Skyrim's in VR. It's just not... The VR tech's not there yet. I haven't seen Skyrim. I heard it looks awesome. I just, the tech's not there, and it keeps... So, uh, I I have a VR headset, and so I have a little bit of experience in this. I believe that, and I have, like, Skyrim VR and, like, games like that, and, like, you know, No Man's Sky, uh, The Forest, games like that. Anytime VR is, like, a second thought, pretty much, like, if the game first released on PC, and now, like, VR is a big thing, so now mm-hmm. they have, like, Elder Scrolls VR and all mm-hmm. those games... Anytime VR is a second thought to a game, it's good, but it's mostly built off of just your previous experience of the game. Mm-hmm. Like for for a game, it, it's it's good, it's fun, but for a VR game, I see what you're saying. It's not par. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to play an actual VR game, like The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, uh, Boneworks, mm-hmm. stuff like that, things that actually have a physics engine for VR, like all those other games, like The Forest, and, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but yes, yeah, so like the Force and Skyrim, like they're still using the previous game's engine, and it doesn't go well with VR. And the problem with that is the fact that you really can't just swap out the engine. Because mm-hmm. I, I told my mom this the other day actually is essentially like building a house out of Legos, and you you build your house out of Legos and it looks great, but then you decide, hey, I really don't like that first row of bricks at the very bottom mm-hmm. of the house. Mm-hmm. You really can't remove that first row of bricks without breaking most of the house. Mm-hmm. And so that's the problem with taking a non-VR game and making it VR because you're still using the same engine. That engine's your, your base. It's the base mm-hmm. of the entire thing. And you really can't just remove that engine and swap it in because then, like, nothing's going to work. And you're going to create a lot more work than it's actually worth. I would like to see, um, you know, some... Static. I would like. I would. I'd see myself getting really deeper into VR. I have a VR. I have a PlayStation VR headset. I love playing. Um, uh, uh what is the scary game? It starts with an L. Phasmophobia. No, Aww. not Final Fantasy, but uh, 
the zombie game, the, the Resident Evil, I'm sorry. Ah, okay, Resident yeah. Evil, the one that came out in Resident Evil, um, the one where you're in the haunted house the entire time. I highly enjoy it, and it's scary. <laughs> it literally, like, sometimes I'll just take off the head, the VR, just to make sure no one's around me because you just hear all this stuff. So. <laughs> but I would like to see it be more stagnant. My issue with VR right now is every year the technology changes. And my, so I actually had someone ask me yesterday, like, do you think he was showing me, um, someone was selling Oculus 2, I think for $200, $200-something like, hey, do you think that's a good deal? I'm like, yeah, I guess it's a good deal because it's, I mean, it was pretty much new out of the box and it was like an $80 discount. If you really want one, but for me, what's keeping me buying one is just, I, I know for a fact by Christmas this year or next year, someone is going to have another VR that either the cameras, you know, two something megabytes better, just like the, the technology. Same thing with the, like the watch. Someone was talking about buying me a watch and I was like, yeah, I don't think I need one because it just keeps these watches keep changing. I think that's the thing with this. It's like a good thing, but if you don't have money like that, there's no jump in point. You know, there's yeah. no jump in point. That's where I am with VR. You know, I haven't. I don't want to jump in. You know, let's say this is the VR. Like this is the VR industry moving up technology. I jump in here a year later. It's like, and I'm like, oh, I got this technology from. You know what I mean? That that I think that is a huge issue right now. But then it's also a benefit because that just means the industry is growing and it's. And once you kind of get there, does that make sense? It's just not a buy-in yeah. for me yet. Yeah. And while I would love to talk more about, mm. like, VR and all that mm. kind of fun stuff, sadly, we are going to have to cut this episode off. Uh, it's honestly been really great yeah, talking to you awesome about this. talking to you, man. I really want to talk more about VR. <laughs> oh, let's, let's get back together and we can figure out and we can do a VR, VR subject one day or something and get that, together and just chat. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's going to be all the time we have for today. I would just like to take a moment and mm. thank Michael here for coming on the show and chatting it up with us. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be back sometime. Uh, but, yeah, so listen to our next episode to hear from yet another person mm-hmm. who's great here at UCM. And just in case you forgot, I'm Greg Burns, and you've been listening to Chatting It Up on UCM Radio, The Beat. Oh, no. Campus security found us. Ah, run. <laughs> Hi. <Hide. laughs>